You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So it is massively tripping me out how uh, echoey it is down here. Like, it's it's so crazy. But I'm not hearing it when I go back and listen. So, I don't know. The the I, I think we're doing a pretty good job of not picking that up somehow. But it's, it's annoying me how bad it is. So this is the first ever recording in the new Packernet studio. You can find a sweet picture of it um, on Twitter as well as Facebook if you have not seen it yet. It's a work in progress, but we're getting somewhere. And um, I'm going to need to get some rugs and blankets and things in here because, wow. But anyways, oh wait, no, now I listen to it. It's real bad. <laughs> with the music, in the, with the music it wasn't that bad, but now it's I can hear it. That's all right. You just get to hear like you know, four of me, so it's uh, even better. Maybe I should open the door. I don't know. I'm just making things up right now. <laughs> open the door. Let the uh, let the vo- let the the uh, sound out. Well, anyways, as I said, um, today would be entirely dependent on whether or not I'm trying to whisper now. Whether or not we can get questions for the show, because uh, as always, busy and whatnot. And uh, as expected, Twitter was useless, and uh, Facebook was on the money. So thank you to everybody on Facebook. So we will start ripping through some of these questions, comments, concerns, and uh, we'll be on our way, I guess. So the first question is from Mikey. He says, if you are tasked with which Packers player, coach, employee is the next statue to go up at Lambeau, who are you choosing and why? The hardest part of this question is I don't know what statues are up right now. Let me give it one Google attempt, and then and then we're just going to, I don't know. So I got, uh, we got, obviously, Curly and Lambo, Curly and Lambo, jeez. Curly and Lombardi. We got the Leap statue. Is that it? There's got to be some inside, right? Or are we talking outside? I, I, I don't know. See, that's kind of tough, because we're, we're talking about statues. And there's a lot of guys that don't have statues right now, so that's obviously a really high bar. If Favre doesn't have a statue, are we saying that Rodgers is getting one? And if Rodgers isn't getting one, who the heck is going to get one? It's hard to imagine, you know, Gutekunst is going to get one if Ron Wolf doesn't have one. Although he does have a, I don't know, that's just the Hall of Fame I'm thinking of. I mean, they got the bust, but not like a statue. Honestly, the only thing that comes to mind, and I, and I like most of these questions, I'm probably thinking too much about it. It would have to be Matt LaFleur. And I'm not saying I think, but you're talking about legendary guys that, I mean, you got Curly Lambeau for very obvious reasons. And then you got Lombardi, who was the first guy that really made this a dynasty. And now we're talking about who else is at that level. I mean, again, the Packers have been good for 30 years, but we're talking two championships. If the Packers are, if it's a name that we're aware of, and we're talking about a, uh, a dynasty type situation, it's got to be Matt LaFleur. And it kind of makes sense. You know, back to, I mean, his first year 13-3, and three, his second year 13-3. and three. Again, I don't think it's going to happen. But if the Packers went on to be a, you know, 10-year, 5-year dynasty or whatever, well, 5 years isn't much of a dynasty unless you're winning the, the championship every year. 
let's say over 10 years, you win four championships and, you know, got a bunch of NFC North titles and whatnot, a couple of Super Bowl losses. It's the only thing that comes to mind, because obviously, if we're talking a statue outside of Lambeau Field, it's got to be one of those, he changed changed the organization kind of things. And, and eh, I don't know. I'll, I'll leave it at that, because I don't, I don't know where else to go with it. If we're just talking about prominent players, I mean, does Favre have one? If he does, does Reggie have one? Reggie White? If he does, then, you know, I guess Rogers. I doubt he has a statue, right? So, I don't know. I hope somewhere in that was a satisfactory answer. <laughs> Nathan says, what is love? And I really need to, to inject that song right here, but I don't think I'm going to because it's just, I'm not going to do it. So I'll just, I'll just answer it, uh, you know, like a straight up question. Sometimes when a man and a woman fall in love, <laughs> never mind, I'll just play the song. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. rather hear the end of uh, the talk that I was about to give, Venmo me $10, and I will explain to you what love is. Otherwise, you can just thank Mr. Nathan P. for the uh, musical interludes. Phil Jones wants to know if I, too, am a complicated fellow. There's a lot of these types of questions. I guess. I know this isn't meant to be a deep question, so I'll try to move on, but I think everybody is, to some degree, kind of unique. Like, you don't think you're a, you're a complicated person until you get married to somebody and you realize how different you are, and they look at you like you're an alien, and they're like, why would you do that? And then you start to look introspectively at like, I don't, I don't know why I do that. So yeah, I'm a little bit of a complicated fella. For those wondering, it doesn't hurt my feelings to talk about it. Just throwing that out there. Justin says, I think you touched on it somewhere close to, the bef- uh, close to this before, but how many weeks into the season before King is benched for Stokes? That is a fantastic question. Obviously, it's completely a guess. I still don't think it's week one, even though I have a hunch that the Packers are excited about Stokes. I think he's probably been better than King consistently through training camp, but it's just... uh, I'll I'll say that I think I've moved the timeline up. I think the Packers drafted um, Stokes first and foremost because they know that King is not the guy. So it's not a matter of, of it being a battle or we got to see who gets the job. Stokes won the job. It really just comes down to when is he ready, which I've been harping on that a lot. But I think this, this echo is really annoying me. I can't do this. Sorry, I'm so ADD or OCD or a little bit of both. I don't know. But there's also a point, and I don't know where this point is with Matt LaFleur, um, but there is a point at which you say, Kevin King understands what to do. Like if you sat down and gave him a test, he would probably do a better job than Stokes would. I know it's a new scheme, but there's some general NFL lingo and things that are going to be similar to what he's been doing over the last however many years, three years, whatever. There's a point at which you say Kevin King got 
a 90 on the test. Stokes got a 75 on the test. But Stokes still gets it done. You know what I mean? Kind of like Rashawn Gary. I've been, I've been kind of given that general same impression of Rashawn this whole time where I think he's an unfinished product. But even as sort of a wild, reckless guy who maybe isn't quite or, or even maybe even anywhere near a finished product, you still put him out there and he still makes things happen. Right? A.J. Dillon, I said similar things. They didn't really want to put him out there because he wasn't really fully understanding the offense. But if you put him out there and you hand him the ball, he does some pretty special stuff. So they held him back because they had Aaron Jones, because they had Jamal Williams. So they didn't need to push a guy out there that maybe didn't understand exactly what was being asked. And they were terrified that if Aaron Rodgers changes the play, this guy has no idea what's being asked of him. Right? Or... You know, if it goes from a run play to a pass play, does he understand what's being asked of him? Does he know to motion out into the slot? Does he know his blocking assignment or whatever the case may be? Um, so I guess the question is, the, 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 the obvious difference between the Aaron Jones situation and the Kevin King situation is Aaron Jones was never a liability. Kevin King very much can be a liability. So we could see something as simple as Kevin King plays week one. Halfway through the game, he gives up a 50-yard reception, and here comes Stokes. It's possible. I, I just I, I have a really hard time feeling like that's going to happen, even though I don't logically understand why that wouldn't happen. If it was Mike McCarthy and Dom Capers, it would still be Kevin King. Although Stokes is a first-round pick, so I don't exactly know how that would work out. But they were always big on respect. You know, they were a little bit better about the whole it's about the people thing, which is stupid, but they had a real hard time of letting other guys come out and compete because this is like the guy and he's earned that spot and all that nonsense. So, man, oh man. And it's not a super heavy rotation type of position. I, I think we see Stokes week one. I'm not saying he's never on the field. I, I think at some point, you know, it's like, all right, let's give Kevin King a break and let's put Stokes in or whatever. We'll, we'll mix it up because he needs to be out there. So really, it's not a matter of when does, when does it go full-time King to full-time Stokes. It's more of a when do we start to see a heavier blend of, of Stokes than King, and King slowly gets... The, the, the number that keeps jumping out at me for some random reason, and I've been saying consistently roughly maybe halfway through the season we see Stokes, but I also said it's possible he really doesn't play very much year one. It could be very similar to A.J. Dillon, where we have King, we feel good about King, Stokes isn't quite ready... Let's leave it as it is. I'm too worried that Stokes is going to completely read an assignment wrong and just give up a 50-yard touchdown, and we're we're going to lose. But at this point, the, the number that keeps jumping out to me, largely because I know they are not a big fan of, of King, and I know that they are big fans of Stokes, and that Stokes has been really impressive, I think we see that general switch toward more full-time Stokes around week three. Complete guess. It's just lingering the frontal lobe of my brain which is the part they used to cut off for some reason so it must not be that that useful although i've seen one flew over the cuckoo's nest and now that i think about it i think it's pretty useful so i don't i don't know what to make of that if that's if it's at the front is that is that useful or not i don't know although they also call it a frontal lobotomy was there a a like rear lobotomy i don't know i don't know these things like, why would you have to emphasize frontal if, if a lobotomy is when you chop off the frontal lobe? It's like when people say 7 a.m. in the morning, which is one of my biggest pet peeves in the world. You already said in the morning when you said a.m. Why did you add in the morning? You can just stop talking. 
You're wasting your, your time, my time, everybody's time. Be like telling your kids, go put your shoes on your feet. Where else would you put your shoes? I'm not saying anybody says that. I'm just giving examples of, of things that are completely unnecessary. Put your shoes on is sufficient. If they don't understand, they go on their feet. That's a whole other issue. Um, there were some people that are talking about Stokes on the inside. Um, I'm still pretty firmly against that, although it's not impossible. I understand the notion that, hey, why don't we have King and Stokes and Jair in best of all worlds? But a slot is just a completely different position. It, it really is. Um, and I think we need to start kind of recognizing it as such. It's similar, but it's different. You can be a very good corner and a terrible slot corner, right? It's kind of like tackle and guard. Maybe you're like Elton Jenkins. You can play both. Jair can do both. And Elton can do both. And Billy Turner can do both, sort of. <laughs> I can't just give the guy a compliment. I, that's terrible. He can do both. He absolutely can. Um, but I, it's certainly not something that's just interchangeable. You know, it's like David Bakhtiari. If, if we had drafted another tackle who was just dominant, just as an example, I know this would never happen, but it's like, well, why don't we just put Bakhtiari? Like, let's say we got Penny Sewell. And obviously right tackle. We still have Balaga, and he's only 25 years old. And we have Bakhtiari, and we drafted Penny Sewell. It's like, why don't we just put Bakhtiari at guard? Because he might suck at guard. I mean, it doesn't matter that he's an all-pro tackle. He legitimately could be terrible at guard. They're similar positions, but they're different. It's like cornerback and safety, you know, nose tackle and defensive end, 3-4 outside linebacker, 4-3 outside linebacker, etc., etc., etc. Similar, but different. And I just don't think... Stokes is good on the inside. We, we did look at his stats a little bit. Um, again, maybe they'll try it, but I don't think so. And, and we have not seen that once in training camp, because if we had, everybody would have been talking about it. Dude, Stokes is in the slot right now. They have not once even tried him in the slot, and I, that's to be expected. I mean, it just, I don't think they have any intention of doing that, and they want him to be a premier corner like Jair is. So they're they're not going to put him in the slot. That's that's where I'm at on that. And it, it, it's partially because of the training, right? If you teach him to be a slot corner, you're not putting the time into teaching him to be a premier shutdown boundary corner, which is what you drafted him to be. Again, there's there's parallels and there's similar things, and maybe you could try it and this that or the other. But I, I just think we're trying to cram all the really cool guys on one team at once, right? Like, why wouldn't you? Well. That's just, I don't know, because you don't, that's why. John would like to know who's going to play at concert in the summer of 2022 at Lambeau. I don't, I don't know what that means. I know sometimes, like, didn't Garth or something, like, play there once? I don't, I've no, I don't, I don't, I don't know what we're talking about here, John. Not sure what we're doing at this point here, Johnny. If somebody does know, jump in there, answer John. Question from Devin. Let's say Rodgers comes back. Even if he does, he's been a diva through all of this, and he's obviously upset at the Packers given his radio silence and not denying things. It's a bit of a stretch, but what if he was so mad he started throwing in the towel and purposely making bad throws, throwing picks? I'm sure that would be something incredibly hard to prove. Maybe I'm just buying into the drama, but has this ever crossed your mind? Not really, because it hurts Rodgers more than it hurts the Packers, right? Um, because at the end of the day... The people that support Rodgers are the people that are saying the Packers are only good because of Rodgers, right? That's his biggest asset. You have guys like Schefter going on TV saying if Rodgers leaves, the Packers are 
garbage. If he comes back and is the problem, now that all goes away. And he can say, well, I was just faking it or whatever, which obviously that's not going to work to his advantage either because the level of petty to do that, it's, that's rough. So he would have to actually tell people he was trying his very hardest but just playing terribly. So now all of a sudden the Packers look smart. They dump him. They move on from Love. Nobody really cares. Everybody acknowledges that Love was a good pick because Rodgers has just completely given up. And everybody acknowledges, yep, it's time to move on. Even the biggest Rodgers supporters are like, yikes, this guy has completely fallen off a cliff. And it would hurt the Packers in terms of the trade value, but it hurts Rodgers the most. I mean, they'll be able to trade him. They'll get something. They'll get maybe one first. Or, I mean, we're talking real bad. Maybe he'll get like one first, throw in a second in a player or something. I don't know. But Rodgers is the one that's not going to be getting as much compensation. Now, granted, um, eh, maybe he then goes on to dominate with, let's say he goes to Denver in 2022. right? So he's garbage in 2021 for the Packers, gets traded, um, and then lights it up in 2022 for Denver, negotiates a new contract, and then he's still all good to go. And then the Pack, I mean, that's like 3D chess type stuff. If you, I, I, it's it's just a little much. Let's just leave it at that. And he would have to hint to Denver, you know, because they'd be coming to him like, let's work out a new deal so we can get this straightened out. And he's like, nah, let's just wait until after this year. I think I got a little something to show you. Because, <laughs> you know, I was pretending to be really bad, but actually I'm really good. I just, you know, it's, it's, I, I just don't think it, I don't think it helps him. I think it makes him look even worse. But um, anyways, why don't we take a break here? I do want to say thank you to several people. We've had kind of a slowdown on Patreon and whatnot, but uh, thank you very much to David Davis as well as Mr. JJ for uh, the housewarming gifts on um, Venmo. Really, really do appreciate that. And then thank you very much to, I don't exactly know where I left off, but let's say Ross H. and Greg Burnt. Thank you guys very much for your support. Did have a couple that were deleted, so we are sitting currently at 225 patrons. Uh, we are 75 away from the big giveaway, so if you're planning on jumping in, please do so. It would be greatly appreciated. Otherwise, let's take a break, and we'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now... Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. 
Gerard says, if you were the GM, where would you have gone with the first round pick in the 2021 draft? I'm probably going to sound like I'm changing my mind because I'm sure I would have said this at some point and I don't remember. It's really a tough call. Um, I did like Elijah Moore a lot. Having gotten, having, having gotten Amari Rogers now, I kind of look at that and, and shrug. Not that I didn't like Elijah Moore a little bit more as an overall wide receiver. I like what Amari Rogers brings, specifically with what Matt LaFleur is looking to do. So I'll, you know, obviously I didn't know what would have been available. So maybe that would have been my pick. Um, I did talk up Christian Barmore a decent amount. Not that he's really a elite player, at least in terms of what he did in college, but he's one of the few guys that seems like he could have um, what it takes to be sort of a two-way run defending and pass rushing type of guy. Uh, I think Tevin Jenkins would have been a possibility, a offensive tackle that uh, fell a decent amount. Bears ended up picking him up in the second. Uh, I mentioned how I like the Santi Samuel. Obviously concerned about his size. Rondale Moore, Sam Cosme. I'm trying to remember. I was always a huge fan of Tutu Atwell, but the guy's like 210 pounds, or, or I'm sorry, like 110 pounds. <laughs> it's an exaggeration, but it's he's insanely small. I think it might have been Sam Cosme, but I don't exactly know where I would have, if I would have taken Tevin Jenkins ahead of him because I didn't expect Tevin to make it that far. But I also don't know if I liked him a ton. I know he was sort of like a big mauling um, type of tackle, which is great, but your number one job is still to be a pass blocker. So I'll say Sam Cosme, possibly um, Tevin Jenkins, but offensive tackle. It's probably where I would have gone with that. But I'm happy with the guy we got. I just hope he pans out. And that's kind of the cool thing. I mean, we've talked about it a lot leading up to the draft about how there aren't a lot of positions we don't need, right? We, you, you might need some more than others, but you're not picking based on need, right, primarily. You're, you're trying to find players that are going to produce, right? You want a guy that you're confident is going to come in and be a stud, for example, if you look at the board and say the number one need that we have is, what would most people say, um, defensive tackle maybe. Let's say that you think Barmore is the best tackle and he's good, not great, but you think Stokes has gyre potential. Even if you think corner is not that big of a need, if you could have a second gyre, just hypothetical, a second gyre or... Let's see, what will we call Barmore? Let's say Barmore is a slightly better Tyler Lancaster. Solid run defender. Um, gets you maybe four sacks a year. Decent. It's not even close, right? And so when you've got a bunch of positions where you're looking at it and going, it's not like we couldn't use them, right? You're really just looking at it saying, give me the guy that you think you have the highest, the highest chance of just being an absolute freak. Because... How awesome would it be to have a freak corner? Massively awesome. Freak defensive tackle. Freak edge rusher even, if we assume that some of these guys aren't going to be around forever. I would take that 100%. Um, tackle. Guard. Center. Wide receiver. Eh, maybe not running back. Probably not quarterback because of the situation we're in. I mean, if, if you were 100% positive, then or obviously you're not 100%, but... Yeah, Maybe, but let's just say no. Um, safety, even. 
right? I know we got two guys that are great, but I don't know how long Amos is going to be around. And um, I mean, I hope it's a long time, but they don't seem to want to invest in him long term. Some stupid reason. But even at that, you you want a third guy, right? You've you've got your nickel spot, you've got your free safety spot. You know, you you got your 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 deep safeties, strong safeties, all the way up in the box linebacker type safeties. You got guys that can play in the slot. I mean, technically, you could have four safeties on the on the field at the same time if you wanted to put drop a guy in the slot, have a guy at linebacker, and have two guys up deep. So if you get a third guy that's a stud, again, it might not be your number one priority, but if he can, as long as he's versatile enough and he's not locked into just one of those things, because then you lock those other guys into those things, then um, absolutely you would take a stud. So anyways, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with it, but um, if you're just asking for, for documentation so that we can put it on paper, probably Samuel Cosme, otherwise Tevin Jenkins. Joshua James says, would anything be more poetic than Rodgers being traded to an AFC team and losing to Jordan Love in the Super Bowl? I hate to say I agree with you, but I agree with you. You know, I I don't want it to be this way. I don't think anybody wants it to be this way. It would be nice if Rodgers would just come here and, you know, there was no drama. You know what I mean? We didn't get that breaking news thing on draft day and Rodgers was here and we were just playing the season and feeling good about, you know, we're going to get another corner and Rashawn's going to take a step. We're going to have great pass rushers, great corners, great safeties, great wide receivers, great running backs, great offensive line. Like this team's going to be unstoppable, but that's not where we are right now. But sort of like I talked about a little bit yesterday, we didn't choose to be here. I didn't choose it. Joshua didn't choose it. Gutekunst didn't choose it. Murphy didn't choose it. Schefter didn't choose it. David Bakhtiari didn't choose it. Rodgers did. So yeah, if he's going to abandon the team, valid reason or not, if he's going to abandon the team and demand to go to another team and leave us and hurt our chances, potentially, of watching our team hoist the Lombardi Trophy, then yeah, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's a little bit different, but not entirely the way Brett Favre left. I mean, when Brett left, what did he say? He wanted to play anybody that would play the Packers because he wanted to go get them. Right? It was personal. And he wasn't just attacking the organization. He was attacking all of us. We've been cheering for this guy for years. Right? So there is a personal element to it. So yeah, if, if this is how he wants it to be, yes, that would make me happy. The only, the only upsetting thing about that is that they got to the Super Bowl. Honestly. I mean, I think it would even be more gratifying if they didn't even make it to the playoffs. But um, that would be the second best, I think. Just because the, the amount of stress... It's similar to, like, if the Packers, uh, well, it's similar to the Super Bowl last year where there was no good out, good outcome, but um, if, if the Packers had gone, like Packers-Patriots two years ago, because it's not only do I want the Packers to win the Super Bowl more than anything, I really, really hate when the Patriots and Tom Brady win a Super Bowl. Obviously, I can't do that with the Bucks because that's NFC, but you get what I'm saying. It's just, it would, be, it would be a painful game to watch, but it would be all the more gratifying. So I agree, and I, I hate that I agree. I don't want to agree because I don't want to be petty about it. I just wish we could just continue on and move on with our lives. But again, if this is the path he wants to take, would I like to see him suffer? Yes, I would. I would like to see his team be horrible. I would love to watch all the, similar to the Jet Favre fans who followed him over to the Jets, I don't know what you'd call the Aaron Rodgers sycophants who would follow him wherever he goes, 
but having to watch them squirm and their whole narrative about Aaron Rodgers makes everybody better completely crumble when that team wins seven games. I doubt that would happen, but I don't know. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Anthony says, let's say Rodgers comes back and gets an extension. Being $35 million projected over the cap, wouldn't keeping Rodgers mean goodbye to at least three of Zadarius Preston, Amos, Adams? If so, which three are you getting rid of? Um, kind of. The only reason I w- I'm saying kind of is because you said Rodgers gets an extension because that changes that dynamic a little bit um, in terms of obviously we're going to push a ton of money out of 2022. Um and how all that works, I don't know. But we're also adding Devontae money, which is going to be massive in year two of his extension. Uh, we're looking at a Jair bump. We're looking at a whole bunch of money. So um, I'll still say yes. But if you're saying, which three am I getting rid of between Zadarius Preston, Amos, and Adams? <sighs> well, I, uh, I mean, Adams is one of the ones. But I'll just I'll take the question for what it is. Which ones am I getting rid of? Jeez. Well, Preston's gone. That's easy. I'm really stuck with the last three, and i got to get rid of two of them. So I guess I'm looking at it the wrong way. I should just approach it to which one has to stay. And I'm definitely leaning, leaning toward Adams. I know that pass rush is unbelievably important and probably a more important thing than, you know, wide receiver. But first of all, if we're keeping Rodgers and getting rid of Adams, we're kind of... Not saying Rodgers can't get it done without him. We've seen how good he is with when Adams isn't there. Some would argue even better, but the dynamic of the offense changes entirely. On top of that, we don't really have a whole lot of proven talent behind Devontae. We do have Rashawn behind Zadarius for whatever that may be worth. We have Savage behind Amos. Um, either way, I mean, if we if we drop Adrian, we're drafting it. We need to get a safety. If we drop Zadarius and Preston, we have to get a pass rusher because it's just Rashawn, and that's not great. We've had many, many years where we've had like one guy off the edge, and it's just, it's not enough. You got to have different ways of attacking people. Not that it can't be done. I mean, Minnesota's done it with Daniil by bringing linebackers and, and working the numbers and scheme and all that kind of stuff, but um, that's a that's a painful thing. But, and, and again, it's, it's not far from reality, and I, it's another thing that I think the people who are looking at the situation as keep Rodgers at all cost, have to acknowledge. And, and there's a lot of people who would say, well, that's not true. The cap can be changed and all this stuff. I, again, don't say it unless you can show me the numbers. Because at the end of the day, it's not magic, it's math. right? It's not a myth, it's math. So if you can work out the math, then work out the math. And, and bring it to me and show me how it, we have a healthy cap, not just now, but, you know, we're obviously not doomed next year or the year after, and I, I think you're going to struggle with that. It's similar to the situation with Julio Jones, and I'm, I'm waiting to see what the exact details of that contract and how everything work out. But a lot of people are looking at that saying they have less money in 2021 than we do, and they got it done, so what happened to you know all this stuff about we don't have enough money? The difference is it's not just about how much actual cap dollars we have in 2021. It's about how much cap flexibility we have in 2021 and beyond. Because you can spend money from the future, right? You can you can do all kinds of stuff, but the Packers have exhausted all of that. There's nothing with the current contracts that we we've already used it all. All the all the fluff money and all the different techniques and tactics to push money out and all these different things to lower the cap, we've exhausted them. So there's not a lot else we can do. 
So again, I want to see what Tennessee did to see if, well, could the Packers have done that? And what would that have meant? Because yeah, in terms of, I mean, I think they had like 3 million bucks, which obviously is not enough to pay Julio. So they're going to have to do something. And I want to see what that something is. But um, it is a serious problem um, if we end up hanging on to Rodgers. And, and, and you understand even the Packers position of if Rodgers doesn't play, man, if you're, if you're Russ Ball and your primary job is cap health, you're, you have been in a cold sweat for so long, he's praying that Rodgers just sits out for a year because that basically erases the debt in 2022, right? I don't, I don't know the exact numbers, but it's, it's pretty close to, to even the amount of money that they're going to recoup from Rodgers sitting out a year is roughly the amount that we are in debt or over the cap next year, which doesn't mean we're exactly healthy, but that that's a huge, huge boost. Got an interesting question or at least observation from uh, Mr. Andy Monday in the Facebook group. He says, if in fact a team can't win without a great quarterback, explain how it's impossible for the Packers to make the playoffs. I only count three great quarterbacks in the NFC. Cousins, Wilson, and Brady. That leaves four playoff spots for teams with good quarterbacks, with good supporting cast like defense, run game, great offensive line. That sounds like the Packers. So the first thing I had to do was check on the quarterback thing, and it's certainly not far off. If we just go off of PFF last year, um, Aaron Rodgers is number one. Obviously, he's gone, presumably. Tom Brady was two. That was already acknowledged. Uh, Deshaun Watson in Houston, AFC. Pat Mahomes, AFC. Josh Allen, AFC. Russell Wilson, he uh, mentioned. Ryan Tannehill, AFC, Derek Carr, AFC, Matt Ryan, that team's a mess. Uh, Baker Mayfield is AFC. Dak Prescott is NFC, so that's a potential spot. You have Kirk Cousins, who he already mentioned. You have Matt Stafford, who is now AFC. Justin Herbert is AFC. You have to go all the way down to Kyler Murray at 17th before you get to another NFC guy. So yeah, it is it is very AFC-centric at this point as far as talent, especially if we're removing Aaron Rodgers for the conversation. So if we add Dak Prescott, if we add Dak Prescott, I don't think that's a terrible observation. The, the only potentially objectionable thing is, so, so the way that he phrased this is that we start with great quarterbacks. So we're going to call it, and again, we're, we're maybe stretching that, but let's just go to the extremes as far as great. Dak Cousins, Wilson, and Brady is four. If there's seven playoff spots, that leaves three spots for instead of great quarterbacks, good quarterbacks with really good supporting casts. It presumes that Jordan Love is good. But yeah, I mean, look, if, if Jordan Love is good and not great, and you're still counting out the Packers, that's kind of foolish, right? I, it's just, just, just kind of where I stand on that. And I think that is a really good observation because, you know, if you look at it and say, okay, you've got a good offensive line run game and all that stuff, but what are you without a quarterback? You still have to acknowledge, as Andy did, who else, right? Kyler Murray, maybe. Maybe, if you want to ignore the offensive line, if you want to ignore the defensive woes, if you want to ignore the, I don't even know what the wide receiver situation is anymore. It's been so, I mean, I know he's got a true number one, but outside of that, I don't know. The run game, I don't, I st- they haven't had a run game in a long time. So, it's pretty rough. Then, <laughs> Just keep going. Then you got Lamar. Then you got Phillip Rivers, who was Indy AFC. Daniel Jones would be the next one. And that clearly would be in the good quarterback category with nowhere near the same supporting cast as the Packers have. The only thing they have maybe better is the defensive line, as in defensive tackle situation, not pass rushers at all. I mean, edge rushers. So yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a good observation. Because at the end of the day, I mean, it's it's not just a matter of, of you know... <sighs> 
assessing the team as a whole, I mean, it, you're, you're first and foremost going up against the NFC North, secondarily going up against the NFC. And if you can compete in the NFC, and, and I think he makes a good point that they can, granted, you got to beat AFC teams to get into the playoffs, but still, it's, it's, you're comp- still comp- once you get to the playoffs, you're still competing with those other NFC teams. So even if you can't beat those NFC t- AFC teams, well, how are those other teams that are worse than the NFC beating them? They're not. So the point is you still end up presumably ahead of them so that you can get into the playoffs. Now, also theoretically, you're probably going to get wiped out by whatever AFC team gets in there or the other NFC teams with really great quarterbacks, presumably. But it's still an interesting thought. And the point he made was make the playoffs, not you know win a Super Bowl necessarily. Uh, Jesse, I'm going to skip over your question for now because I gotta, that's going to require a little bit of research and I have not looked into that quite yet, but I'll try to remember to save that. Although I don't, I mean, off the top of my head, I can't really think of any. So the question is, what is the average sophomore season PFF increase or decrease for linebackers? You know, I've been kind of talking bad about linebackers for a long time. There's not a lot of linebackers that grade out really, really well. And I don't really see a lot of guys where it's like, well, they're bad, but then they get better. They just, they're consistently not grading out very well. Um, Although I know Roquan did take a bit of a step. But anyways, I'll I'll try to get a better answer and, and get back to you. But I also wouldn't really automatically expect very much. Uh, Greg says, and I kind of talked about this yesterday, but obviously he asked before the podcast dropped, is it really that bad that Murphy alluded to Ted Thompson referring to Rodgers as a complicated fella? Better than the, than a predictable dullard, right? It is. Yeah, I, I'm not going to rehash yesterday's episode, but yes, to say it's not a big deal would be a uh, bit of an understatement. Patrick says, can the Packers board of directors decide difficult decisions if they vote front office individuals are hurting the franchise? Um, I think what you're asking is, can they vote out Mark Murphy? And I'm pretty sure the answer is yes, because technically Mark Murphy is a member of the board of directors. I believe that's the way that this works, is is that there is a seven-member board of directors, and they, as a board, elect one um, to head up the board. And that guy is the, like, the top guy that is in charge of everything. So I would assume if they can vote for him to be that guy, they can vote for him to no longer be that guy. I don't think it's like once you hand him the power, like you can't, like now he's too powerful and controls the entire board. You know, it's, it's, it's the board's decision. Um, now, are they going to decide that uh, his comment was so egregious that they're going to fire him from his post and, and elect a new um, head or possibly just demote him and, and, you know, put somebody else up there. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, Mark Murphy is a, um, he really is a talented guy and I, you know, to erase what he's done and what he's accomplished and what he knows, you know, this is a guy who's a former football player. Um, he's been involved in the, the union and in, the business of football as well as the football side of football for a very long time um, to sort of just flippantly dump him and just find some random person who else is on the board or whatever that's going to fill his shoes and and be able to do what he does and know what he knows um, that's going to be a tall order because you know especially if we're talking about because he made some offhand comment about Rodgers it's I don't think that's going to happen. You know, will the time come where they need to find somebody else? Sure, but um, I, I'm, I guess I just wouldn't hold my breath on uh, them essentially firing or demoting Murphy because of those those comments. 
Goose says, should we take all the voided years as proof that the cap is really going to skyrocket in a couple years? I think that's entirely possible. And to be honest, I um, I kind of talked about that. It's been, it was a long time ago, but I do remember having that brainstorm a while ago about how this is sort of artificially deflated, um, you know, because of COVID and all that. But there's sort of, how do you put that? Let's say your paycheck is $1,000 and you get a raise every day this week for $100 a day. Just coming up with stupid numbers. So you make $1,000, $1,100, $1,200, $1,300, et cetera, et cetera, all the way up to $1,700. There is a serious issue that happens and um, it's going to cause problems financially. And, and the thing that we decided is let's take this massive hit and let's spread it out over four years. Now, the money's still the same. 1,000, 11, 12, 13, 40, 50, blah, blah, blah. Actually, I think it would go to 1,600, but whatever. It's completely irrelevant. We're going to take away $500 for the first four years. So what would that essentially look like, right? Because it, so we had to take a $2,000 hit, and we're going to spread that out over four years. So essentially, it's going to be 500, 600, 700, 800, 1,400, right? That's what would happen. So there's an automatic explosion because it's the same progression. We just no longer owe this debt. We're no longer paying back this massive debt. On top of that, you've got the, the new negotiated TV deals, which bring in more revenue. You've got um, the gambling, which I've been talking about for, for probably about a year now, which is expected to, as that takes hold, become a massive explosion of revenue for the, for the NFL. It's already, I believe, legal. It's just a, a matter of most states have not allowed that to happen, but it's it's going to happen, right? There might be a couple holdouts here and there, Utah or something, but um, it's it's spreading like crazy and it's a massive moneymaker and it's expected to bring in a gigantic amount of revenue for the for the NFL, which would then be added on to salary cap. So it's, it is possible that that's part of what's happening. Um, it's still putting them in a heck of a crunch for the next year, but it's possible maybe next year they just keep kicking it down the road. Because with the voided years, essentially what you're doing is you're taking money now and you're just putting at the end of the year, right? Because if you give somebody a bonus, so let's let's visualize this again. Um, let's say you've got a five-year contract and I'm going to give you a $10,000 bonus. Well, the $10,000 bonus is going to be spread over the five years, which I think is the maximum, but it's got to be spread evenly. So it's $2,000 every single year. Now, if I add void years, let's say I, let's just do a stupid number. Let's say I add five voided years and I spread that bonus out over 10 years. Man, the stomping is crazy. I thought it was like, dude, it's so quiet in here. You can't even hear anybody upstairs. Now the kids are turning into rhinoceroses, which by the way, my kids weigh combined, like the, the two middle kids, like a hundred pounds, maybe probably like 70. How are they so loud? Anyways. So now we've got 10 total years. We've got five years on the contract and five just completely fake years. So what that does is now it's 1,000 per. So in year one, it's 1,000. Year two, it's 1,000. Year three, it's 1,000. Year four, it's 1,000. But in year five, because we're not paying, you don't pay money after the guy's gone, right? It's, it's not going to be, um, that's just not how that works. What happens is when you leave, all that money accelerates into that one year. So what would be the benefit of that? You got to pay it anyways. You're not paying it later. It's because instead of paying it 2,000, 2,000, 2,000, 2,000, 2,000, you're paying it 1,000, 1,000, 1,000, 1,000, 6,000. You're taking a chunk and you're putting it way at the back. 
So it's actually an extremely interesting question because the Packers are doing a ton of voided years. They're essentially taking all their problems and putting it as far back as possible. They're not, they're not just pushing it out, which is to say spreading it evenly. They're pushing all of it as far back as they possibly can. So maybe, maybe that is a big part of it. Or just that, conversely, we know a lot of these guys are going to be gone. And so we're, we're going to have a lot more money later. That could be because guys like Rodgers perhaps are gone or possibly the salary cap's going to explode or a mix of both. But it is certainly unprecedented. The, the line that I've taken, that most people have taken, I think at this point, is, is this is kind of what happens when you go all in. Uh, there are consequences, which is true either way. But that, that's their, their mindset is we're going to do what we normally don't do. We're going to go all in, et cetera, et cetera. It's entirely possible, though, that they looked at it similar to the way I looked at it and said this is a 